Um, so, didn't get to preach the message last Sunday night, so I varied it a little bit to talk about the cost of missions, since the theme is still missions tonight. Matthew 28, 16 through 20, the Great Commission. The eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Isn't that interesting that even seeing him on the mountain, they worshipped, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. How do you make disciples? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He commanded us to go and make disciples by baptizing and teaching. What's it going to cost? Let's pray. Fathers, we think about our missionaries right now on foreign fields, many of them having to retire early and come home, others not being appointed because the funds have gone lacking. But the need has never been greater for people to hear the gospel. You see what our world is, is turning into apart from Jesus. And so just place that burden upon each of us to go, to tell, to share, to pray, to give, and to support in any and every way possible the cause of missions here in Tifton and in Georgia in North America and around the world. In obedience to your command, we pray. Amen. So the cost of telling everyone in the world about the love of Jesus may be greater than we ever imagined. It'll cost hours of praying, planning, studying, teaching, equipping, evangelizing to the ends of the earth. It will require chunks of our lives, week-long, month-long, year-long, maybe lifelong chunks. And it will require some business professionals who are willing to turn aside from their work for a year to the Mission Service Corps, or for maybe a teacher to retire early and teach overseas for a year or two, or young people who are willing to leave the States and spend a year or two of their lives as journeymen, tens of thousands of persons who will go and give shorter periods of time. In my last church, we had Jack and Alta Reimer who uh, every summer went out to New Mexico and worked there in a feeding station. They had a, a truck. They worked with a missionary, and they carried food over the border into Mexico and fed hungry people and came back every evening and replenished their supplies and, and used that as a ministry outpost for the gospel. But more than just these things it requires, more than anything else, is going to require a change of attitude an attitude that does not love father, mother, son, daughter more than Jesus and his will. I preached a couple weeks ago where Jesus said, Who does not, whosoever does not hate father, mother, sister, brother cannot be my disciple. And, and then I mentioned it doesn't literally mean to despise. It means to love less than. So as long as our priority is Jesus first and his kingdom then all the other loves will follow as they should. A mission-minded mother had prayed for and taught about and given to missions her whole life, very active in WMU. But what she never counted on was that her only daughter might be called to the mission field. And she said, oh no, 
Sue, not you, not my only daughter. And then God spoke to her, and at the close of a church service, she came forward and asked for forgiveness from God and from the church and from her daughter, and she promised that support and encouragement if God did lead Sue to another land. And she said at that moment she was never happier because she learned that night to act like God, who had also given his only child. I was talking to uh, Craig and Terry Knowles just a few minutes ago before coming in here and asking, what, what was your first response when Chris came to you and said, I, I feel called to Mozambique? And they said, you know, it wasn't difficult because we had seen it coming. We had seen it, it developing in him through previous mission trips with the Dinas in Mozambique and in Kenya and, and their journeyman experience and, and all those things. They said, but what surprised us was how difficult it was, not for our family, but for our friends, who said, how can you, how can you be happy knowing that your son is going overseas to the mission field? How can, how can you let him go? And they said, you know, we're a whole lot happier with him serving the Lord on the other side of the world than we would be for him to be lost right here in the States or for be doing anything else here in the States that was not in accordance with God's will. I had a friend in graduate school at seminary who never went to missions day in the eight years we were there together. We always had a missions day at seminary where missionaries came and spoke and then gave a call to missions. He said he never went to that, that particular service because he was always afraid to face the possibility of missions of what God might call him to do and ask him to do. And so he was running. I don't know why out of only 100,000 Southern Baptists, one out of 100,000 Southern Baptists went as a missionary last year. That means it takes about 270 churches to send one missionary. I don't know why only 34 preachers went to the mission field as missionaries last year full-time. I don't know why we could only send 279 missionaries when 1,400 were requested and needed. Part of the reason is because our foreign mission board has been operating in the, in the red and, and using money from other resources to try to keep funding missionaries without bringing them home early or asking them to retire early or reassigning them uh, to the states. But that's been happening in our convention because of the contributions that have been curtailed in past years. I do know that no Christian can follow God unreservedly if he doubts his own commitment. I do know we need to be free and willing to face whatever options that God puts before us because if God is calling us, he's doing so because he knows that's what we need to do and it's what is gonna make us happy. And I know if we put parameters and conditions upon God's call on our lives, then our communication will dry up because he's going to say, we've gotten stuck here. Why should I tell you anything further when you've been disobedient in this? I've learned that from my own experience. Obedience to God's will is not a hard thing. It's the happiest thing in the world. And the God who created us and loved us and sent Jesus to die for us is going to ask us to do 
what he put us together to do and what he knows will make us happy. There are fewer missionaries because the buying power of the dollar has shrunk. So we have to redouble our efforts, both in their sending and in their support. And we've all lost some money in the stock market maybe, and maybe taxes have gone up, inflation. But we don't need to sit like grumpy old Jonah in the midst of our comfort while God wants to send us to all the winnable Ninevehs of our day. The cost is great, but the cost of not being faithful and not being God's missionaries is even greater. And if we want to be a mission-minded church, as I believe we are, then our integrity and our witness demands faithfully sending, praying, going, and paying for missionaries. And the same that is true with our church is also true for each of us individually. And to refuse to support missions because the cost is too great disqualifies us as his disciples. So we have to support and increase our mission support lest we water down the spiritual glue of missions and evangelism that holds us together and we become fragmented by the forces that would divide us. That cost is even greater. So we have to continue giving to the life-giving blood of missions because the cost of not doing so is even greater. Not to be bold is to allow the pool of the status quo to drown out the redemptive life of the gospel. Where redemption is not essential for the entire world, it soon loses its necessity for anybody. If this ever happens, we'll shrivel up and blow away and that cost is too great. So we have to look at the condemned lives in our world and have our own hearts broken for them. Realize that there are more lost people now today than there ever have been in human history. And recognize that we have too few harvesters going into the fields that are white and ready for a harvest. And so we not only beseech God to send out laborers into the harvest, but we beseech God to make us harvesters that each one of us will go wherever God desires for as long as he desires. And that from this church, there'll be others who'll go to Uganda and Peru and Cuba and China and Kenya and the other ends of the earth. A missionary from Missouri was preaching in Rhodesia and a woman stood up on the bench and said, sir, I am blind. And I've been blind since birth, but tonight the eyes of my heart have been opened and I've seen Jesus. And if you'll send someone back here to teach me more about him, I will give my life to him and follow him forever. I heard that story and I think that there are people all over the world crying out. We have been spiritually blinded throughout our lives. But some of us have seen Jesus. And if you'll send somebody back here to help us, We'll give our hearts and lives to him. So we have to say, here am I, Lord. Send me. Even though it costs us something great. Because failure to do so would cost us even more. Here we are. Send us. 
I told you a few weeks ago, I, <clears throat> I can't help but say that and, and remember Fred Finley. He and his wife, Martha, were going to the mission field. And he gave his testimony in chapel one day about being called to foreign missions. And he said, I just couldn't stand before God one day and say, here am I, send him. Send me, Lord. Send me. Let's bow together. Whatever it takes, Lord, we hold nothing back. We're unhappy if we do. And we are happy if we trust you enough to know that you love us. And that whatever you call us to do, you have equipped us to be successful at. And whatever you call us to do, you who put us together and knit every fiber and sinew and bone and joint together, created us a certain way to be happy and you know what it will take. And you're only calling us to do what will give us blissfully happy joy forever. And so help us be open to your calling. Father, I pray for Chris and Katie tonight. I pray for the other missionaries on our prayer sheet. I pray for those thousands who are serving, not just Southern Baptists, but anyone who is presenting the evangelical gospel to the world. Some places in dark continents where there is persecution and fear, where radical Islam is seeking and destroying the truth of the gospel wherever it might be found. We pray for their boldness and their courage, Lord. And their story will go forth, not only among the lost in their land, but among the saved in ours. That will inspire us to greater heights for you. You have commanded us to make disciples by baptizing and teaching. How can we do any less? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Take my life, lead me, Lord, is our invitation. I haven't given a, an invitation to missions, but maybe God is calling you to a short-term mission trip, and you want to figure out how that can come about. Maybe uh, one of these groups that's going back to Cuba or Uganda or China or um, anywhere else. We need to have teams going out continually because the need is that great and the fields are white. And we have the resources and opportunity to do so. If you need to profess your faith or join this church, I hope you'll do so this evening as well. Let's stand together and sing.